Angels, welcome back to Coast Access Storytime. Today we finish our story, Mallory Mallory, The Revenge of the Tooth Fairy, and find out what happens to Arthur, Mallory, the mouse, and Bruce the budgie. The major rat rubbed his spectacles vigorously. I beg your pardon, members of the jury, but I do not understand, he said. Well, explained the mouse, our verdict is that we are unable to agree on a verdict. One is four, one is not four, and one is torn down the middle. How can one be four? asked the majorette. One is one, surely. Wrong four, explained the mouse. Let me put it this way. One is one, another one is another, and the third one is either, or perhaps neither. I see, said the majorette who clearly did not. So what happens now? You're the judge, sir, suggested the mouse. Hmm, hummed the majorette. He looked about. Hexchecker, do you have any suggestions? With respect, your honour, but you are your honour, sir. I am, am I not? You are, agreed the hexchecker. You are the judge. I see, said the judge helplessly. The mouse coughed. Might I make a suggestion, Your Honour? The Major Rat turned to it gratefully. I'd be very much obliged if you would. We seem to be a long way from my cheese sandwich. Well, Your Honour, since we, the jury, are unable to reach a verdict, and since you appear to be a cheese sandwich short of your lunch, perhaps the entire case should be kicked upstairs. Upstairs? asked the Major Rat. Yes, said the mouse. Upstairs, to the wisdom tooth at the font of all wisdom. The majorette stared at the mouse, a smile of gratitude spreading across his face. Of course, he exclaimed. Why didn't I think of that? I couldn't possibly comment, said the mouse. It is possible. Not only possible, said the majorette decisively, but absolutely necessary. This has been a most perplexing case, and one in need of greater wisdom than this court possesses. Thank you all. Thank you, members of the jury. This case is adjourned to the font of all wisdom. The majorette pulled out a wooden hammer and rapped loudly on his desk. Arthur and Mallory looked at each other. Arthur with a nervous expression. Mallory was surprised. So much for it being a jack-up, Arthur whispered. I thought we were going to get all chewed up and spat out. It's not over yet, muttered Mallory. I don't like the sound of this font of all wisdom, dude. What about the mouse, then? asked Arthur. Notice how it stood up for me? That's because you're a wimp, said Mallory. Notice how it didn't stick up for me? There's a reason for that, said Arthur. Wimp, snapped Mallory. Egg, snapped Arthur. He had astonished himself. It was the first time he could ever remember biting back at Mallory. He was astonished, too, by how good it felt. Shortly afterwards, Arthur and Mallory were escorted by a team of incisors out of the court of law, across the square, and into the white building called the Font of All Wisdom. One of the incisors carried Arthur's bird cage, containing Bruce. Another carried the small white canvas bag and the dollar. The mouths scurried along behind, but the hex checker, it seemed, 
had business elsewhere. It looked like she would not be part of this next procedure, and Arthur felt very grateful for this. He was still shaken by her series of accusations in the Chancery, and he didn't want to have to go through that again. Mallory was strangely silent. Arthur wondered whether he had shocked her when he'd called her an egg. He gave a little grin. He hoped so. They were led up the steps and into the lobby, then up further flights of stairs until they came to a door. On the door was written, Nest. One of the incisors knocked. Be yourselves, whispered the mouse as they waited for a response. Not that it matters, of course. You cannot hide from the wisdom tooth. She will see what you are, whatever you try to do. There was a call to enter, and the incisor pushed open the door and then stood by it, ushering Arthur, Mallory and the mouse inside. The two incisors carrying the evidence followed them. The room was very gloomy. It was almost like walking into twilight. At first it looked to be empty, and Arthur looked left and right in confusion. However, he gave a sudden gasp when he glanced up. There, sitting on a long perch that looked about as thick as a telegraph pole, was a huge white owl. Arthur had seen snowy owls on TV, but he had never seen one as big as this. It had huge golden eyes like saucers, with deep black irises, and its face was divided by a black beak. The rest of it was snowy white, with a speckling of black on its feathers. Although the beak looked ferocious, the eyes stared down at the visitors in such a kindly fashion that Arthur felt immediately comforted. He waited, too overawed to say anything. Good afternoon, madam, said the mouse. The court of law has been unable to make a decision regarding the misdeeds of these visitors, and the major rat feels you would be better able to pass judgment. Tell me more, Tooth Fairy, said the owl. The voice was deep and musical, and once again Arthur felt a calming presence. Mallory, too, was strangely unlike herself. The great owl seemed to have vacuumed away her feistiness and recklessness. Yet again, Arthur and Mallory were compelled to listen as Mallory's cunning plan and all its consequences were described. The mouse was fair and measured, but left nothing out, even quoting from Mallory's diary, word for word. Arthur wasn't left out either. His contributions, including his providing of Bruce's birdcage, and the fact that he claimed ownership of Bruce, were outlined in detail. To all of this, the great white owl listened. Throughout, she sat perfectly still, and the stillness wrapped around Mallory and Arthur. When the mouse finished, the stillness remained. But far from making Arthur feel uncomfortable, he felt in the presence of a great peace. Finally, the wisdom tooth spoke in her deep, musical voice. It seems to me, she said, that this is a story of great unkindness, and at the same time, within it, there are elements of kindness. To resolve the situation requires the kindness to drive out the unkindness. She paused 
her large eyes staring down at them. The tooth fairy, in a gesture of kindness, visits children who have lost a tooth and exchanges a tooth for a golden dollar. Mallory, for unkind reasons, took advantage of that kindness and repaid it with an act of unkindness. Do you agree, Mallory? Arthur glanced at Mallory in the half-darkness, fearful of how she might react. To his relief, Mallory merely nodded. I am not surprised, the wisdom tooth continued, that when Mallory experienced great unkindness herself at the hands of the pie-making molars, she saw the harm and damage unkindness can inflict on others. It was extremely unpleasant, was it not, Mallory? Once again, Mallory nodded. I note, too, that throughout the tooth theory behaved with honour, dignity and restraint. It agreed to the terms of the ransom and fully expected that the agreement would be honoured. Thank you, Wisdom Tooth, said the mouse. Accordingly, said the owl, under the terms of the agreement, and given that you have been freed from the birdcage, the hundred dollars should be paid. Arthur glanced at Mallory. She was twitching with excitement, and while she managed to stay quiet, she had a large grin on her face. She pumped her arm in triumph. Although the great white owl must have been aware of Mallory's excitement, she chose not to acknowledge it. She did, however, allow some seconds to pass before carrying on. I rule, therefore, that as Arthur was the one who released the tooth fairy, Arthur is the one who must receive the ransom. Arthur swallowed. This he was not expecting. Neither was Mallory. She gave Arthur a shocked look, then stared up at the owl's great eyes again. For a moment, Arthur thought Mallory was going to protest, but some instinct kept her quiet. Incisor, ordered the wisdom tooth. Please give the white canvas bag to Arthur. The incisor stepped forward and handed the bag towards Arthur. After a nervous glance at Mallory, he took it, murmuring, Thank you. He felt very awkward. He did not want the white bag. He did not feel he deserved the white bag. From the very start, he had thought the idea of the ransom was wicked and stupid. Were it not for the great authority of the wisdom tooth, he would have refused the bag altogether. Mallory, said the wisdom tooth, in its kindness, the tooth fairy exchanged one golden dollar for your tooth. It would be an unkindness to deprive you of this. Accordingly, incisor, would you please hand Mallory her golden dollar? The incisor stepped forward and handed Mallory the dollar. She took it automatically and bowed her head. It is kind of the tooth fairy to pay you this dollar, Mallory, said the wisdom tooth, especially as it had to use your tooth to pay the duty at the customs gate in Aurelia, and so is quite out of pocket. Arthur started. How did the great white owl know this? He was sure that the mouse hadn't mentioned it. One further glance up at the grave, stall figure, sitting on the perch high above him, answered his question. Arthur shivered. The wisdom tooth knew everything. What had the mouse said? Be yourself, 
for the wisdom truth will see what you are. With a twinge of alarm, Arthur realised that the wisdom tooth had not yet finished with him. The great saucer eyes surveyed him sadly for a time, then the deep voice began again. There is one more thing, Arthur, that we must address. You have brought to Aurelia with you, prisoner in a bird cage, a small blue budgie whom you consider your own. It has been pointed out to you many times that this is a fellow living creature, and while this particular living creature is a non-speaking creature, you still have given it the appalling name Pet. Arthur shrank. Have you anything to say? Arthur tried to speak, but the saucer eyes seemed to engulf him and his throat was dry. He silently begged that the mouse would speak up for him as it had in the court of law, but this time the mouse was silent. Everything was silent. Then the wisdom tooth spoke again. This is a particularly wicked crime of unkindness, and so there must be a particularly severe penalty, said the wisdom tooth. Arthur quailed. Not the penitentiary. You will be fined one hundred dollars, and the small blue non-speaking budgie must be released immediately. There was a silence. Numbly, Arthur handed out the small white canvas bag, and the incisor marched over and took it back. Mallory gave a little snort of displeasure. I have given my judgment, said the wisdom tooth. Is there any further comment? At that point, there was a high-pitched cry. No! Arthur looked about him in surprise. The voice was familiar, yet unfamiliar. It seemed to come from the floor. It was definitely not the mouse. Who was that crying no? asked the great white owl, peering down from her great perch. Me, said the voice. Who? asked the owl. Bruce, said the voice. Who? Who? asked the owl. Me, Bruce, the little blue budgie, said the voice. But, said the owl, you're a non-speaking budgie. I'm speaking now, cried Bruce. Mm, so I see, said the owl, and so I hear. But why are you speaking? I'm speaking to prevent a great injustice, said Bruce. You people have got everything wrong, and back to front. Please explain, said the wisdom tooth. Arthur said the budgie, is being accused of claiming to be my owner. He is accused of claiming that I am his pet. So? asked the wisdom tooth. It's all the wrong way round, said Bruce. Hm, I don't understand, replied the wisdom tooth, puzzled. And Arthur is being punished, cried Bruce. In his agitation, the little bird was running back and forth along his perch. Quite rightly so, said the owl. Are you questioning the wisdom of the wisdom tooth? Yes, cried Bruce, because you have it all wrong. If anybody should be punished, it should be me. Punish me. The wisdom tooth waited. Slowly Calm returned to the room. Finally, gently, the owl said again, Please explain. You say that Arthur claims that I am his pet, said Bruce, 
a little more steadily now. The truth is, Arthur is my pet. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I'm thirsty, he brings me water. He brings me cuttlebone. He cleans out my cage and lines it with fresh newspaper. The owl stared down at the little budgie. Bruce continued. When I'm upset, he comforts me by stroking my chest and makes soothing noises to calm me down. He covers me at night when I want to sleep. Hmm, the owl said. I regard Arthur as my servant and my friend and, in a word, my lifelong pet. I regard this cage as my house, my home, my protection from all those in the outside world who would frighten or harm me. Arthur and Mallory were staring in utter astonishment at the bird cage. I never knew, whispered Arthur. Doesn't surprise me, whispered Mallory. You never were that observant, pet, she added. For a long time the owl did not speak. Finally, she said slowly, Thank you, little budgie, for bringing these things to our attention. It was a great act of kindness, and you have prevented a grave miscarriage of justice. Far from deserving punishment, you deserve our gratitude, and Arthur, I'm sure, will offer you his thanks. Of course, said Arthur, wonderment in his voice. Thank you, Bruce. The fine will naturally be rescinded, said the wisdom tooth, and we are pleased to allow Bruce to remain in his home. The incisor who had taken the white canvas bag from Arthur marched back over and returned the bag. Arthur took it in a daze. Yes, Mallory breathed, apparently delighted with this turn of events. The audience with the wisdom tooth clearly being over, one of the incisors picked up Bruce's birdcage and handed it to Arthur. He and Mallory followed it, the mouse scampering behind to the door and then out into the corridor, down the stairs and out once more into the town square. They stood there, blinking in the light. The mouse, at their feet, said, All's well that ends well? Mallory said, Absolutely. Arthur put the birdcage down on the cobblestones and glanced inside the white canvas bag. He frowned slightly, then a broad grin spread across his face. He glanced over at the bag at Bruce and a feeling of affection briefly overcame him. Thank you, Bruce, he whispered. The little budgie did not reply, but it cocked its head to one side and stared at Arthur. It was a friendly stare, thought Arthur. All at once there were footsteps. They looked up to see a now familiar figure striding towards them. It was a hexchecker, now once again sporting her white stovepipe hat. She marched up to Mallory and thrust the little red diary towards her. You must have this back, she said. It makes most unpleasant reading. Mallory snatched it back. You should have read the front cover, she said indignantly. This diary is highly private and not for other prying eyes. It certainly isn't, sniffed the hexchecker. Or any eyes, if you ask me. I wasn't, snapped Mallory. Arthur grinned again. It hadn't taken Mallory long to regain her feistiness. The mouse coughed. 
Mallory and Arthur looked down. The mouse's whiskers were twitching and its little black eyes were glittering. Pick up your birdcage, Arthur, it said. No sooner had Arthur picked up the birdcage than the square began to recede. The oddly tooth-shaped buildings on all sides moved further away with increasing speed until they disappeared into the distance. No sooner had they become lost from sight than familiar walls began moving towards them and then a lowered ceiling, faster, faster and with a vague roaring sound. And then there was silence. Arthur opened his eyes and discovered he was back in Mallory's woodshed. Mallory had not closed her eyes. When Arthur opened his eyes, he found Mallory staring at him with a triumphant grin. We did it, she laughed. Did what? asked Arthur, puzzled. He did not think there was much to be laughing about. We beat that stupid mouse, tooth fairy, whatever, grinned Mallory. We have the ransom. Who has the ransom? asked Arthur pointedly. We, said Mallory. Who? Mallory stared at him, her grin fading. What do you mean? They gave the ransom to me, said Arthur. Remember? I was the one who set the mouse free. So? So I was given the ransom, said Arthur. I seem to remember you wanted to screw more money out of them. It's just lucky we managed to get out of there. If it was up to you, we could have been locked up in that stupid penitentiary forever. Me? asked Mallory innocently. Yes, you. Mallory stared at him. What was happening to Arthur? She'd always been able to bully him before. He'd changed. But it was my idea, she protested, flourishing her diary. Remember? How can I forget, said Arthur, your cunning plan. So, you really want the stupid ransom? It should be mine. Despite everything, Mallory sensed that Arthur was weakening. She pressed home her advantage. We could cheer, she suggested. Fifty-fifty. Arthur shook his head. Mallory didn't really want to share. One hundred dollars could buy twice as much stuff as fifty dollars. But fifty dollars was better than the measly one dollar she'd been given for her tooth. Briefly, she felt herself thinking of all she could buy with fifty dollars. She was so wrapped up in the sudden daydream that she didn't hear what Arthur was saying. What was that? she asked. I'm going now, he said, picking up the birdcage. I bet that stupid budgie never speaks again. You know, said Arthur, I don't care if he doesn't. He told me what he really thinks. Do you want to know what I really think? I think I know what you really think. What was it you said anyway? I asked whether you still had that dollar. Yes. Why? Arthur looked at her. Because, to be honest, I don't really want that stupid ransom. I thought the whole thing was mean. Mallory felt her heart beat. She scarcely dared to believe what Arthur was about to say. Then her heart lurched as he actually said it. How about, said Arthur, you give me the dollar and you can have the bag. Mallory stared at him. Really? Really. Before Arthur could change his mind, Mallory dug into her pocket and pulled out the dollar. She thrust it at him. There. Thanks, said Arthur, 
and he handed her the little white canvas bag and picked up the bird cage. Bye, he said, and walked out the door, closing it behind him. As soon as he was in Mallory's backyard, Arthur broke into a scurry, trying hard not to jiggle Bruce around too much. It was difficult because he was shaking with laughter at the same time. Meanwhile, back in the woodshed, Mallory could hardly believe Arthur's stupidity. She carried the bag to the bench. Before she upended it, she swept an area of bench clear of her father's tools and sawdust. Then, holding her breath, she loosened the tie securing the bag and turned it upside down. There were no dollar coins, just a scatter, then a rush of small white objects. Mallory stared with horror. Baby teeth. Mallory didn't need to count. She knew there would be exactly one hundred of them. All at once there was a sound of a door opening. She looked up. It was her father. He did not look happy. Mallory, he demanded, have you seen the black bag I keep my electric razor in? You haven't borrowed it for any of your crackpot schemes, have you? Mallory was about to say something angry, something smart, but one look at her father's face told her that that wouldn't be a good idea. She nodded. I think I saw it in the bottom of Arthur's birdcage, she said. Wow, what a cool ending. I like that Bruce found his voice, didn't you? I guess you could call this book a fairy tale with a twist. There is a sequel. It's called Mallory, Mallory, Trick or Treat. If you enjoyed listening to this one, you can find the new Mallory book at Books and Co. in Old Tacky and lots of other great reads by James Norcliffe. Goodbye, children. Happy reading. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.